Father, this morning we thank you that we do have hope. And it's not just in your name, but all that your name represents. Your nature, your goodness, your grace, all of your attributes that are extended to us to give us hope, to give us life, to give us a future, to bring us freedom from bondage, deliverance from sin, salvation, and an eternal destiny with you. We're so grateful for all of those things, Lord. We invite you into this place. We invite you into our lives. Enliven your word to our hearts and our spirits today that we might respond to you spiritually and truthfully. And we'll thank you for it. Amen. Amen. You can uh, take a couple of seconds and say hello to somebody. Be be informal if you'd like. <laughs> well... me there you go <laughs> oh boy well it's good to be here today and uh, anyway a couple things this is a very short notice thing for our gentleman um, there hasn't been a whole lot of publicity about uh, a men's retreat put on by our western district uh, I hadn't promoted it because initially I was going to be gone that week. And then, of course, you know, we ended up moving our kids a couple of weeks ago, and that's life. But if you are interested, uh, there's a little handout in the back. You'll see the dates. Sorry about the great graphic. This was a 6 o'clock this morning. That You can't even find it on the website. I guess it's like a secret meeting or something. But there's a link on there, how to register. It's at Old Oak Ranch. If you don't know how to get there, I can tell you. I kind of know the road. You know, there's a hundred. You know, there's 106 curves the last six miles up Big Hill Road. Um, if you don't know why I know that, that's uh, where I grew up. And so, anyway, make you aware of that. And the information I think they're back there, and uh, just take that. We're not formalizing that because. Um, I'm not able to attend because I'm speaking that weekend here. And Pastor Chris, who I'm going to invite to come up along with his lovely bride just for a minute. She didn't know this was coming. <laughs> no cue. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, I love these people. Joel and I love these people. And I know you all do. Um, we're grateful that they've partnered with us. But last week, last week, you made a comment. I said, well, I'll be here speaking, and you said you would be ministering from the stage. The platform. The platform. Yeah, it was a more formal church. Anyway, why don't you tell us? I, I'm, I'm grateful that you've 
<laughs> oh, well, so last week, Bibi and I, uh, we did, uh, we competed in the Central California Powerlifting Championship. Uh, we, uh, I've been weightlifting on and off my whole life, and so in the last couple years, we've taken it really serious to where now we've competed in Bibi's first meet, and Bibi here in the women's 67.5 kilogram weight class finished with a gold first place, and also... <laughs> Second, uh, also a gold first place women's masters. That's, uh, sorry, I got to say her age. That's 40 and above. She did uh, first place in the women's masters. And then for myself, uh, and we had an all-star cast. These were people who have come from all over the state to compete. And uh, I finished third place in the men's overall 275 weight class and second place men's masters over 40 overall. So uh, it was a really great weekend for us. And we're excited to be back, though, because going two weeks without seeing our, our church family is rough. It really is. And so uh, we're glad to be back, and thank you, Mark. Isn't that great? You know, you'll say, what's it have to do with Jesus? Well, we represent him wherever we go. And the fact that they were on a platform that gives them an opportunity to represent Christ. So thank you for that. Why don't you stick around and do what I ask you to do? Aren't you glad you Oh yeah, and if you if you follow me on Instagram, my Instagram handle is the Lifting Pastor. And just so you know, they were uh, they were saying every time I came up, here comes Chris, the Lifting Pastor. <laughs> so okay, uh, let's read a little scripture. First Samuel seventeen three through eleven. The Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills, with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. I can only reach eight. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam. Tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds, his armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted, a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. 1 Samuel 17, 26 through 28. David asked the soldiers nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, Yes, that is the reward for killing him. David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear came comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. 
The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Introduction for today. We all know the story of David and Goliath. It is one of the most inspiring and remarkable events in world history, especially in those times in our lives when we feel overwhelmed by an adversary, be it a person, a circumstance, a habit, a besetting sin, a temptation, a financial problem, a family issue, a sickness, or a physical issue, the story of David and Goliath gives us hope. And I introduce Pastor Mark. The lifting pastor. I was... Um, in the other room watching worship through the glass and I was praying about this teaching and I have one that's hot off the wire okay you're not going to find it in the notes you're not going to find it anywhere it's hot off the wire and here's what it is when when David was giving his litany of reasons why he could go out and battle this giant and Saul is listening there's one thing he does not say, but he could have said, I am anointed. He could have said, I am anointed. Why didn't he say, I am anointed? Well, let's do the history here. We're in 1 Samuel 17. In 1 Samuel 15, do you remember... The prophet showed up at his dad's house and said, The Lord sent me here to anoint one of your sons as king. And he lined up seven because David, in his mind, didn't even count as a son. And all seven were rejected and finally said, Oh, we got the kid. What happened to him that day? He was anointed. And you'll say, well, that was a physical thing. It was oil. Yes, it was. But what does it say? The Spirit of God came on him from that day on. Why did he not say to Saul, I am anointed. The Spirit of God has come upon me. Why wouldn't he have said that? Because he'd have probably never got out of that conversation to get into the real battle. Why would that have just enraged Saul that the battle would have been right then between David and Saul? Because Saul once had been anointed. And the Spirit of God had once come, come upon him. But now it had been removed. That's a great sermon. Let's go home. I like that. I'd like to go home and develop that a little bit and turn it into something. 
Anyway, three facts about David and Goliath. And why am I teaching this? In fact, when COVID first hit, I did the I Am Moses. I actually had someone from our church family say, why are you teaching on this? Why aren't you addressing the issues of the time? And then about two weeks later, wow, authority and power. That's kind of important to understand in this dimension. Well, I want to share with you today this powerful truth. The secret of David's victory wasn't in how he fought. It was how he thought. It wasn't in how he fought, it was how he thought. You see, thinking directs our actions. If you don't believe me, just look at what happens when you have a bondage come on your life. Well, what is a bondage? You say, oh, it's an oppressive thing. No, it isn't. A bondage is a house of thoughts. That when you face A, you always respond with B. Oh, here it is again. You respond. You expect a different outcome, but it's never different. That's what a bondage is. It's a house of thoughts. And everyone came out for 40 days, and they looked at how big was he. One of the reasons I wanted Pastor Chris to read that verse is I knew when he got to Goliath, he's the closest thing we have. And then he did some, I, none of that was rehearsed. And he said, oh, it's, it's this, whoa. And you see what happened every day? Every day this nine-foot giant came out and said, I got a deal. Rather than us slaughtering your whole group, let's just make a deal. You send one, fight me. Whoever wins would just take you captive. Well, that sounds kind of enticing because you're thinking nobody here is going to win and at least I won't die I'll be in servitude but this is the people that seems to like that think about it 400 years the last Several decades, let us out of here, let us out of here. Out three days, can't we go back? Don't we enjoy the vegetables of Egypt? They kind of like that stuff. The secret of his victory wasn't in fighting with a slingshot and stones. It was understanding something was different. He had experienced something that we talk about in Romans 12. His mind had been renewed. He was the only one whose thinking was changed, so he saw it completely different. Romans 12 says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person. Wouldn't you all want to be transformed into a new person? Wouldn't you want different outcomes in your life? Look what he says next. By changing the way you think. If you're sick of you, if you're sick of your circumstances, if you're sick of being under bondage to things or always thinking the same sort of way, I want my life to change. Well, let God change your mind. Yeah. 
it's so funny. I was in that room because I was wondering if God was going to show up today. I didn't feel prepared. But I'm going to tell you right now, just like the Spirit came upon David, I feel the Spirit of God coming into this room and into this word. So hear me. Once you change the way you think, then you'll learn to know God's will for you. Do you think your life is better if you're walking in his will? You bet. His will, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. You see, David spent years alone with sheep. And what was he doing out there? He was singing and worshiping God. I'm glad you're here. You fill in my blanks. Thank you so much. He was worshiping God. What do you think happened when he was worshiping God? His thinking was transformed. When he's out there, when his whole family's home having dinner, and he's out there by himself, instead of thinking, they don't even think I'm a real person, he's saying, wow. 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 And not just looking at the stars of the sky, but all of nature around him. And then having the power of God come upon him when things came to take his sheep. Little did he know that God was preparing him to have a righteous response when evil rose up against the sheep of Israel. Oh, this is good. I'm not even past the first line of my notes. We could be here a while. Or this series might go to Christmas, which would make Chris happy. <laughs> when you worship God and you meditate upon Scripture, it changes the way you think. Therefore, it could change the way you fight. Everyone else saw a giant and they saw their own circumstance, they saw a sword. They saw their sword. They couldn't think differently, but David could. If I get into a sword battle with him, I can't get close enough because his sword is too long for me to get inside. If I come out with a spear... My little spear against his armor might not work. But he fought different. I need a stone. Just like I was out there with nothing to do, and I put the Coke can on the rock, and I practiced knocking it off. You'll say, Mark, there wasn't Coke cans in the Old Testament. Well, whatever can it was. Dr. Pepper, there you go. <laughs> you, you get my point. He had rehearsed things and didn't know. He was just being a kid. He was just being a kid. But God was using his just being a kid to change the future of the country that he would lead before he ever let it. The secret of his victory wasn't in how he fought, it was how he thought, and how he thought led him to a different method for battle. And he was able to get inside the defenses of the giant. Now, I'm going to knock you over with this one. Any Israelite soldier could have done what David did. 
if they thought the way David thought. Any Israelite soldier. Well, no, it just was David. No, if they had their thinking transformed, they too, thinking different, could have had the same strategy. Do you not think the Spirit of God is big enough to inspire someone else with an idea? An idea that reaches into their strengths? Do you know David's victory over Goliath began a season of giant killing in Israel? Because as David became a leader, other Israelite warriors began to think the way he thought. It raised up a new family of giant killers. You see, David took a group of terrified men and turned them into fearless giant killers. All through the renewing of their mind, they changed the way they thought. These mighty men did some of the most remarkable things the world had ever seen. I don't have time to list them, but I'm going to try. Adino the Enzite, who was the chief of the captains of David's army, killed 800 at one time. Do you think if you're in an army and you're seeing, well, he's killed 742, don't you think that the rest of them could gang up and say, that's the guy we need to take out? Don't you think they thought, that's the guy we need to take out? But he thought different. He'd been around David, and he'd learned to be a giant killer. 800, 2 Samuel 23. Abishai killed 300 with a spear. Benaniah killed two lion-like heroes. I don't know what a lion-like hero is. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they have a mane. Um, a lion-like hero of Moab. In fact, on a snowy day, this is in the Bible. On a snowy day, this guy killed a lion in a pit because he was bored. I don't know about you and lions. I like to see them at the zoo. But I'm not one that gets up to trust the fence. This same guy killed an Egyptian who the Bible references as, as a spectacular man. I don't know what that means, but I have an idea. Probably wasn't me. And he used the man's own spear because the scripture says he thought using his own weapon would make it too easy. How about Jonathan? David's nephew, who killed a giant who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. What happened? David took terrified people who began to think the way he thought. Their minds were renewed. And there's some examples of people that killed giants. Truth number five about greatness. Great people think in a positive, God-focused manner regardless of life's circumstance. Okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to be, who knows, might be my last Sunday after I say this. Yeah, COVID hit. It's been a year and a half. Don't hide behind it anymore. 
Don't make it an excuse for your life. Don't make it an excuse for your life. Change the way you think. God was not surprised by this. I feel sorry. Some of my coworkers, one of them in particular, had not been out of the house for a year. And here the O'Connells are posting pictures of here we are, Easter, not the recent one, the one a year ago. What are you doing? Why aren't you social distancing from your family? Because I love them and I trust God to take care of me. I'm not stupid. I don't go around and lick the disease or anything like that. But, you know, you've been on a plane. You've been flying all Yes, I have. Because this isn't the first disease that's that's hit this world, nor will it be the last. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and be stupid. Did, did everybody, don't, don't, you know, call me next week. I got COVID because of you. I went over and I was licking the grocery carts. <laughs> you know, don't look for somebody coughing up a lung. Oh, let me get close and see if I can test Jesus. No, don't, don't put God to the test. But don't use this as an excuse for not doing what God wants you to do. Great people think in a positive, God-focused manner, regardless of life's circumstance. How does this teaching apply? There's where it applies. Listen to this paragraph. Many of us have learned to live with problems. Did you hear what I said? Many of us have learned to live with problems, with obstacles, and with fears. We live in the shadow of our Goliaths. We get used to them being there. We endure them. And what does God say about Goliaths? Overcome them. We renew our minds. We attack and we overcome those things that keep us from experiencing God's best. You'll say, well, Mark, you've changed your thinking, and so, but it hasn't changed the world. No, it hasn't, but it's changed my world. My daughter was great at helping me in this because we were concerned about our kids moving to, to Arizona, and there's some things that I, I can't really, don't want to discuss online, but... But it's like the reason they're moving could all, could all be wiped away. And it's like I was getting a little nervous. And, and my other daughter said, Dad, do you don't think that when God prompted them to move to Arizona, he knew all this was going to happen and he has it worked out? So it's like, well, who's the preacher in the family? <laughs> Seriously, that was a life transformation. It's like, wake up. Wake up. If the God is who we say he is, if our God is all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent, then when he prompted you to do something a year and a half ago, he's not surprised that stuff happened between then and now. But a promise is a promise. Four elements of faith thinking, of great thinking. Number one is faith thinking. It's faith thinking, 1 Samuel 17. It's in your notes, 25 to 27. Do you know it is reward-oriented thinking? David, we, we skipped through some things. 
because I didn't want the scripture to take up the whole page of notes. But he was obsessed with the reward that was offered. He asked the soldiers in verse 26, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? He'd already heard the answer several times, but he kept asking. You know what he heard? The king would give you riches. That's cool. I'm like number eight in the family. What am I going to inherit? Well, there was three peanut shells left when we got to you. You get the king's daughter in marriage. That sounds exciting. Turned out that wasn't necessarily the greatest gift, but in most cases it would be. But the one that I'm sure he was saying, did I hear correct? Your father's house will be free from taxes forever. Who cares which party gets elected? That was funny right there. He asked it more than once. Did I hear you right? Money? Nice. Daughter? I've seen her. Okay. Free from taxes? You'll say, well, that, that sounds like it's greedy. Well, listen to Hebrews 11. What is that? Hebrews 11. What is that chapter about? Faith. And it says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You see, so there's two elements of this faith thinking. First of all, it's God-focused. See, there's difference between faith thinking and wishful thinking. I'll tell you wishful thinking. It's the little boy that grew up at Old Oak Ranch. And he went out every evening after dinner with a football. And nobody lived there but me. So that tree is a receiver, and those branches are the defenders. And that tree, if I hit it, it's just an outright interception. And I had goalposts that I carried out from under our house, and I nailed up against a little fence. And if I, in my imaginary game, got close but couldn't score, I would kick field goals. That was wishful thinking that a 125-pound boy was ever going to make the NFL. That's wishful thinking. But faith thinking is God-focused. That means he is, that he exists. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Elements of faith thinking, number one, he exists. It's God-focused. It's reward-oriented. He's a rewarder. Faith operates based on a positive motivation that can't be seen in the natural. 
yet faith believes and acts in spite of the problems. David took the stones and the slingshot in spite of the fact that the dude was three feet taller than Chris. Let me just contrast for you very quickly. Fear thinking versus faith thinking. Here's what three things about fear thinking or two. It, it's Fear thinking is unaware of God's presence. It just doesn't know. That's what Lindsay, when she said to me, Dad, you don't think God didn't know when he prompted them to move that this was going to happen? We know God directed them. We saw all the signs. We saw how when they prayed and they fasted and they sought God and how it wasn't one door after door after door opened. It was, it was a miraculous thing to watch. You don't think that when God was doing all that, he knew, okay, we're going to get there. We're going to have a little obstacle, but don't worry about that. I've got it taken care of too. I got to where I was trying to figure it out for my kids. It's not my job to be God. Fear thinking is also focused on the risk, not the reward. What's the outcome of fear thinking? Paralysis and defeat. Here's the key. In every challenge, in every challenge, God is with you, and he rewards faith action. Hebrews 10 says, don't throw away this confidence. Trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. You'll say, well, what is that? Well, 1 Peter 1 says, the reward for trusting him will be salvation of your souls. David thought... David thought in a positive manner because of his mindset towards God and towards life. Every overcomer, every overcomer faces dangers, risks, and life challenges. I'm going to stop right there. Many times we look at those that are rewarded for faith and say, well, I wish my life was that way or he's lucky or things lined up for him or her. But understand this, every overcomer faces dangers, risk, and life challenges. Overcomers think in faith terms and they aren't defeated by fear. In every challenge that you and I presently face, God is with us. And there is a reward if you act in faith and face your giant. Now, I said four elements of great thinking. I gave you one today, faith thinking. If you want the other three, next week. As I was preparing this teaching several weeks ago, I was thinking about the fact that so many in our world have been paralyzed by things they're afraid of. And, and we all have. Don't, don't feel bad if you say, well, Mark, I, I'm not quite as comfortable as you jumping on planes and flying around. Yeah, well, that's fine. You know, I'm a little more fearful of my kids moving to Arizona. 
not because I'm afraid of them being away from me, but job-related circumstances and things to do with the circumstances of the day. Yours might be your work. Let's, let's be real. A lot of people in our state and in, in our country are, are threatened with the loss of income because they choose to stand for their personal rights. I can understand that. I don't want anybody to raise your hand, but you might be in this room and say, that, that's me. Well, guess what? God is with you, and he will direct you. He will give you the courage that you need. He'll meet you at the point of your need. He'll provide what you need. When you're walking in his will, how do we walk in his will? We have our minds renewed. Some things do not rationally make sense. Me being here does not rationally make sense. You say, oh, because you drive an hour every Sunday? No, because I fell in a pool with an electric motor and stayed underwater for six minutes. Well, we've heard stories. Yeah, well, you haven't heard stories of we didn't know what to do, so we brought him out, formed a circle, and prayed. It doesn't make rational sense that I stand here. Nor did it make rational sense that one of the guys that helped pull me out of the pool couldn't even climb over the fence that he leapt without touching just his arms to bolt himself over. He couldn't even climb it. I, watched, I said, you need to show me that, dude. He goes, I can't. He got one step up on the fence and, and fell onto the ground. I said, how'd you get in here? He said, I just put my arms on the top and just kind of pull vaulted it. Now, you might say, well, that was just his adrenaline. No, you don't know how big he was. He was like 2.5 of Chris. It's not rational. But let your mind be transformed. Let your mind be renewed. Not by my teaching, but by the word of God. And the spirit of God bringing that word to life. Let it change the way you think. It will change the way you live. And you too will discover what the scripture says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. How much fun can we have? Father, this morning, this teaching has certainly gone a different direction than the way I had originally planned it. But I believe you showed up and you inspired the words to impact your people and impact me. And so, Lord, this morning we receive this word by faith. And we ask, Lord, that you help us 
to become faith-focused people as our thinking is transformed and renewed by the Word of God. Help us, Lord, to, if we need to, turn off the news and get our news from your Word. Help us to shut out the voices of doubt and fear and listen to the voices of faith and trust that come from your word. I speak over this people in Jesus' name. Free them from fear. Transform their thinking and in so doing transform their lives. Give them the grace and the faith to challenge their own fears their own thinking and to say God what how do you want me to think because as their thinking is transformed their behavior is transformed they become victorious we all do do that I pray Lord Jesus if you're, if you're here in this room or you're watching online say uh, you know this is my first time in church, or it's my first time watching, or you know what, I've done this since I was a child, but I don't know that I've really placed full trust in Christ. I would encourage you to do that right now. You silently can pray the same prayer I'm going to pray out loud. Father, forgive me of my sins. I thank you for your son, Jesus, who died for me. I receive him as my Lord and Savior. You know, we believe if you pray that prayer, you're welcomed into the family of God. Get involved in church. Read the Bible. Find fellowship with other believers. And it'll change your life. It'll change the direction of where you're going to go. You'll experience his joy, his grace, and his blessing. It'll make you a new you. And the rest of your life will be the best of your life. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. Have a great, great week.